and just like that, despite Technology Man's best efforts to confuse, obfuscate, complicate, and otherwise create mayhem, we are all here for our very first ever uh, hot seat session. I'm uh, I'm Scott, Guardian 112. I'm here with Jeff Merck, who is a Guardian something earlier than 112, and I think Vivica's like the third ever, I don't know. Vivica, how are you doing? Good, how are you doing? Perfect in every way. So you're uh, you're kind of steering the ship today. You, you're, you're the one that put it out there in the Telegram. Let's do some hot seats. And Jeff, you know, poor babe in the woods that he is, just said, "Hey, heck yeah, I'll I'll do, I'll do a hot seat. What's a hot seat?" So tell tell us all what Jeff's in for. I think I, you know for because some of us are guardians and know Jeff, and some of them aren't guardians yet. I think we'll just get into you know Jeff what he's doing. His uh, favorite stuff about being a guardian, maybe anything he's learned, and just go from there and then tackle any problems that he might be trying to solve that we might be able to help with some data. So that's about it. Nothing crazy. So, Jeff, I guess just tell everyone, um, for those that don't know, you know, who you are, what you do, um, how long you've been a guardian, I guess. Yeah. So, Jeff Merck, uh, based in uh, Birmingham, Alabama, I've been a guardian for. Um, probably, well, well over a year now, but, uh, not quite a year and a half. So somewhere in between there and, um, has been a fantastic community for me, uh, in terms of just, um, principled learning. And, um, I've had the privilege of, uh, contributing to the community, um, with regard to serving on various councils and stuff like that. And, um, so I, I, the value of the hot seats, especially within the community, I think is, is really good because, um, you know, you put uh, a lot of uh, good brains together, good outcomes uh, happen, right? So that's always a plus. And um, the thing I like best about uh, the Guardian Academy is just the, um, number one, the support of the community, but number two, that um, everybody really is in pursuit of uh, being a better human and just, you know, the good of humanity, right, and helping your fellow human. So I think my uh, favorite Guardian principle uh, remains closer over more, Um you know, I come from a corporate background and a real estate background. So tech and real estate primarily is what my uh, iterations have circled around. Do some other stuff as well um, around the, the coaching aspect and, and just kind of a business advisory. But uh, it's um, it's when you when you really work off principles, those are the things that are timeless and they apply universally across domains. So to me, that's the best kind of learning because it uh, it applies no matter what I'm doing for the day. Um you know, in, in any given business, right? I love that. So what, um, you, you mentioned closest versus more. What, um, what have you, I guess, maybe come to realize or have changed to help you kind of implement the closest versus more? Yeah, so for me, closer over more has been, um, if I had to sum it up in one word, it would be house cleaning. Um yeah, almost to the point of spring clean because I have uh, closed multiple businesses based off of Pleasure Over More because um, when I realized that some of the businesses I've created were just chasing more um, it, and actually taking me further away from what I actually wanted, um, that was a big thing for me. And so for me, probably the biggest one in that was, uh, you know, and I see this a lot in uh, younger, uh, you know, folks as well. Uh, and I say younger meaning younger than me, like earlier uh, career stage stuff, they work harder to get what they want that they think is going to give them 
what it is they actually want when if they just stopped doing the pursuit of that more, they would have what they wanted now. And so my biggest one uh, probably for that was around, um, hey, I'm going to go make, you know, however many dollars I need so I can just goof off and have nothing but time with my family and uh, spend time with the kids. And when I really look at that uh, and you invert and realize, hmm, if I just stop doing more, I'll get more time with the kids and the family. So that's actually an easy one. But we're not wired that way. We're always wired for more. So when I actually stop and say, what do I actually want? I want more time with my family and my, my little ones. Um then that that that's an easier fix than what our brains typically lead us to believe. So, I saw a commercial the other day, and I I, I can't remember the the ad, but I, they kept saying more. They're like, we want more of this, more of that, more, and I'm like, nope. <laughs> I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> exactly. No, you don't. So it's it sticks with you when you kind of can conceptualize it the right way. Um, it definitely puts a lot of stuff into perspective. Bumpers obviously helps with that as well. Intervention, intention gap. So. Yep. Big time, and I'm iterating through. Um, I iterate through bumpers often, but uh, I'm actually doing that again because, to me, the as I weed things out, um, I don't add much. Um, the only thing I've added recently in terms of projects is actually um, base case and build. Um, I just, uh, you know, I, I always make the comment that you know you hear say relative to base case and build, it's easier to build strong children than fix broken adults. Well, I actually do both. And I can tell you from, you know, a couple of decades of working with, you know, adults to fix some of the core things that, that prohibit people from reaching their limits. Um, building the kids is a lot easier. But um, but if the adults actually listen, uh, it's a shorter path than they think. And it's a lot easier than they think. Um, but most of us are just in our own way. So anyway, that's the, the crux of that one. So what if, um, what if I say what's the... What's the one thing in TGA that you may may struggle with, like a concept or a framework or something that you've learned that you might struggle with? Oh, so for me, that's an easy one, right? Um, so, you know, we always talk about um, open loops and double loop learning. Well, if you read the uh, Teaching Smart People How to Learn, I, I laughed when I read that initially because I was like, I actually worked for one of the big four consulting firms during that time frame. And I was there at the firm for 14 years, and I used to see that in real time. And I was actually telling somebody about this last night. Um, I saw a lot of those consultants, like, blame problems on the client. And to me, I was always like, that's not the client. That's actually, you know, our team or you as an individual, and here's how we resolve that. And I always felt out of place with that, um, which that's not uncommon for me being out of place where I am uh, in, in a given situation, right? But um, but I I laughed about it because we were always told you got to be the smartest person in the room, and whatever the subject was, you needed to be the expert. So uh, when I got into the concept of the open loop learning, I I was like, oh, this is actually more difficult for me than I thought because I'm whether it's reading a book or learning a particular thing, um, I was taught to consume it uh, as quickly as you could to still have retention and then be able to talk about it. And, um, and in technology, you have to know enough of that to actually back up what you're talking about up to a point where you say, hey, I need to go get a really smart person in this technology to go you know, further, right? But that was part of it. So for me now, uh, keeping open loops is actually something that I found to be massively helpful. Uh, but it was the thing I probably struggled most with. I agree. I'm, I'm with you on that. That's that's the, <laughs> the one I, I, I hate to love, love to hate. It's a... Uh... It's a struggle because I'm just, you know, 
quick to Google, quick to take it in, quick to close the loop. And that's just how I've been. So yeah, it's a, that's, that's my Achilles too as well. So, all right. What, um, anything so far, Scott, are you good? I'm just, uh, I, I'd love to hear what Jeff is uh, working on right now. What he wants, you know, what are you trying to get closer to where are you trying to keep the open loops and what's the, the challenge or the situation that you'd like to hot seat? Yeah. So, um, so I've, I've given a lot of thought to that, um, uh, you know, since we talked in, in relative to the hot seat and especially, um, you know, with, uh, with regard to the data aspect of it. So one of the things that I see where I, I readily see it in terms of connecting the dots and highlighting it for others, but I, I find that a lot of the people I'm trying to help, you know, um, you know, was clients or people I'm mentoring, you know, stuff like that. Uh, they, they have a difficult time connecting those dots. Sometimes when I show them to them, this, because it's hard for people to do the mental math on the fly. Right. So when it comes to resource allocation and typically the ones that people actually will get most is the time and the money aspect. Right. So if you show somebody, and it, and, it, and, it, and it falls under the closer versus more umbrella to a degree. But when they're talking about how do I, um, you know, whether it's they want to increase revenue, increase profit, or they want to gain more time in their schedule, when you start showing them like, hey, here are the things where you, you have significant waste, being able to quantify those for them so they can actually see the data, um, I find that um, quick and simple tool sets – uh, and meaning like, you know, even if it's done in Excel, like just plug in these basic things and here's, here's how much you are wasting. If you actually change these couple of, uh, parameters, this is how much you would gain, um, uh, and or save, right. Depending on the, the currency they're using time or money. I think that's the, the point where, um, the, the data aggregation would be most useful. Number one for the current client that I'm helping through the advisory. But then secondly, um, just the ability to have that and aggregate it on an ongoing basis so that you can tell folks that are in a particular um, uh, bracket or band, you know, relative to their business or where they are in an organization, like the data shows, this is what, if we do X, Y, and Z, this is the outcome that you're going to get and be able to quantify that more readily for them. Right. So is that, is that tracking? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think um, so. All businesses are different, so but most of them follow the same frameworks. And you already worked for one of the big four, right? So you already kind of know um, the framework and how to, you know, consult and go through the through, through the business analysis part. But I think if you're if you're trying to illustrate, um, you know, here this is how you can save time, or this is how you can save X dollars, or they have and to be able to visualize the component. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's more on the human level, right? Because, like, I believe that all business problems are human problems. And if you can actually show a person within their structure of working, you know, here are your, you know, plug these few numbers in. This is the time you can save if you tweak these couple of parameters. Or, um, And really it's an indicator to show and quantify uh, relative to where they are. That's what I was thinking about anyway. Because if I, if I could show somebody, like, it's almost like um, – you know, uh, if, if, if somebody actually states, Hey, I need more time back in my schedule, I'm just too overcommitted. Well, if you can put a, a value on what that time is worth and then quickly go through and show them, Hey, here's how you save, you know, 
five hours a week. Well, then you can put a number to that, right, for them. And to them, I think a lot of times that helps them ascribe value. And that's the mental math gap that I think is, is, is problematic to get to. And when I was thinking about the data itself, I think just something that would easily capture that at the individual level. And then, you know, for me, from an overall business perspective, to be able to aggregate that over time to show just kind of statistically this is the trends that I see with those given individuals. I think that would be um, highly useful. Um, Have you figured out what their hourly rate is? Not like what they charge or like, but like what they're worth, like what they actually should be netting an hour. That's part of the exercise because a lot of times when you talk to different people, um, some people, like if they're working a corporate job, right? then they can pretty easily say, hey, you know, if I'm working X hours, you know, you, you know, if you're staying within the corporate structure, it's typically 2,000 hours a year, right? But if you're typically an overachiever or high achieving individual, you typically are working more than that. But showing folks that, hey, working harder is actually not the best way to do things, then if you can ascribe, you know, value to that, you can start helping them turn that back and still show them that, Hey, by working, um, smarter and not just smarter, but like I, I, I say smarter, but it's really wiser in terms of how you allocate your time and resources. You actually get a better financial outcome. Most people, that's an inversion for them and they don't, they don't see that. And that was a difficult one for me too. Like, you know, Hey, I can actually make more money if I work less, That that doesn't compute. Um, cause I've, you know, I kind of, I grew up in the IT world, you know, and it was a badge of honor to say, Hey, I worked 20 hours a day for three weeks straight and I'm still standing and you had to go sleep. You suck. Right. And, um, I know you're laughing cause you've been there too. Right. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah. So I think that now helping those folks that grew up in that arena realize, Hey, if you actually work less, you can achieve significantly more. Um, yeah, I think it's just a matter of just illustrating like what you're saying. You know, if someone's working 2000 hours a, a year and they're like, you know, slated to make a hundred dollars an hour, two hundred dollars an hour, but they're putting fifty hours, sixty hours, seventy hour work week. Well, now they might as well just go work at McDonald's, right? Because now your hourly exactly. is plummeted, right? Yeah. So you just got to illustrate to them, like, this is really what you're making an hour when you're boasting about working eighty hour weeks. You know, you might as well go get another job and put in forty and get the same amount of you know pay, but have more time. Um, you have to. So a lot of people. <laughs> Most businesses run off Excel spreadsheets, right? Like most people don't need fancy dashboards and platforms and ERPs and all that. You can most, you can do most of it in Excel. Excel will let you do nice graphs that can illustrate to them. People like pictures. Okay. Yes, they do. So if you show them a report in Excel, they just see numbers and lines and they don't understand it uh, for one and or can interpret it or, you know, compute it in their heads. So I would make some simple charts, some simple graphs um, that can just, you know, show them this is how much time, you know, you're, you're putting in, this is how much you're making, this is how much you can really save in time, this is how much you, so I would just do simple line graphs or some simple um, donut charts, a, a pie chart's fine, donut charts are, are cleaner, um, and just show them like how that looks visually. If at all, you know, you'll probably get them to have like an aha moment when they see the the time bar 
go up and they're like, oh, I actually, you know, it's just, it just does something to them visually that, you know, you can't accomplish with just numbers and, and lines. So try, try to just use visualization as much as you can um, when you're trying to get those across to them. I think it's a good point because, uh, you know, other than um, the, the CPA brains type folks, uh, most people can't see it, uh, uh, you know, clearly unless they're, you know, data analyst type, right? So I, do I, think I can, I'm in, I can see patterns and see things. So I don't mind, you know, Excel and a bunch of numbers. And I, I live for that. It doesn't bother me. But when you're trying, anytime I'm speaking to someone and I'm just doing my, you know, my talk, it's like glaze, right? They just, they don't, they, they don't get it. You throw a pretty picture right. in front of them. They're like, oh, this is awesome. And it's the same information. It's just right. delivered differently. So you just, you definitely got to try to try to just do the visualization part. Um, Excel has tons of, and we can, you know, as guardians, we can do a workshop or something if, if there's enough interest and, and try to make some simple Excel charts together. Cause a lot of you guys are running businesses. So it might be just a matter of, you know, two or three data points. Don't, don't put a chart with like 500 different things, just time, money, you know, maybe just two, just two things, three things at max. And, um, and just go from there. You can always have a different chart for a different thing. But um, but try to keep them simple and just clean as as clean as you can. Yeah, and I think too, just uh, you know, thinking through that, um, having something you can start with and then plot over time so that you can see, you know, how that ranges over time. So as you bring the work hours down and watch the revenue increase, um, you know, the seeing is believing, right? So they'd actually be able to to trend that out as well. And um, and then I think aggregating that data for themselves over time would be you know, helpful as well. Yeah. And you can also, if you do, um, if you set it up like where it's on a Google sheet and like you're importing the data, it'll just like mm-hmm. kind of, you know, do it live. If it's a matter of you and the, the other person having access to that same sheet. Um, so you can just kind of see it develop over time in real time. Um, the other thing, you know, make sure they understand the KPIs that they need, right? Some people are collecting all kinds of data and they think it, it all matters and it might, in aggregate, but you might only need these KPIs for this certain thing. Um, If you're working on time and money, you don't really need to know, you know, other things other than that's it, right? The time and the monies. So, um, so just make sure that the the KPIs are dialed in as far as what you're trying to solve for that specific thing. And then once you have your KPIs, get your back data, right? Establish some benchmarks based on the previous data that you have. And then from there, you can see where the changes are, are affecting that. So you have to have some baselines and stuff in order to, yeah. to show the progress. Yeah, and I think a lot of people do struggle with that too. Like, you know, where am I today? Um, they kind of have an idea about it. But then when you actually plot it out for them and actually show them, like, you know, like actually track what you're doing and then let's look at the data points, then uh, they, they, it's usually pretty eye-opening. A lot of people don't realize, you know, and every little thing matters. So I know Nick's big on the resource and reallocate, right? So just even doing stuff, stuff like that and just reallocating some of those funds, right? Increases the, the money, maybe decreases the time they got to spend in the business because now they just captured all that uh, or recaptured all that stuff. So, yeah, just benchmarks, the actual KPIs that you need, nothing else. And then just kind of, you know, going from there and then just use use graphs, Visual is is always best, I think. I would agree. That, that, that's helpful to iterate back over that because 
you know, a lot of times uh, in a discussion, you, you, you get people, you know, nodding in agreement, but then when you actually, you know, start talking relative to data points, they don't, they don't have it. And then when you actually look at it, it's just not there. So I think tooling in that regard for something simple that people can actually trend and track, um, you know, through that work, I think would be helpful. So I'll, I'll put some cycles into collecting that specifically because some, some of the data that I've been collecting has been more around like um, higher level points, but I think taking it to the individual because part of that too and part of the thought behind that is if you're working with an individual, that makes a big difference. If you're working with um, individuals that are working for a larger group that are a segment of like six salespeople, if you can highlight where, hey, you're wasting three hours a week times, you know, a thousand resources, that's a lot of time you could be selling, um, you know, or, or whatever the, the, you know, widget may be. But that's that's typically one of those things that uh, people just miss. And the, the biggest thing I see with the bigger the company, it's kind of like, um, you know, an individual. If you get a big windfall, yeah, you're not tracking every expense. You're just not doing it. And same thing with big companies. They have a lot of resources, so they're not tracking all those other things. But if you actually go through and highlight where things are being significantly wasted um, in aggregate, that makes a huge difference to the bottom line. And I think um, the bigger the company, the worse that gets, uh, quite honestly. Oh, yeah. The thresholds for, like, write-offs or, like, you know, what they don't care about are so high. Like, some companies are like, oh, if it's less than 50000 we don't care. It's like, what? Or, you know, like, that's like a whole – so, yeah, their thresholds are very high on waste. Yeah, I, 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 it's a point in case example, but I actually was in a client meeting, and this has probably been um, 20 years ago, but uh, we we missed on an estimate because of some, we just didn't have all the factors. And when we when we realized it, we immediately called it out to the client. And it was a really big project. And uh, and I called out the miss, and it was almost, they were almost dismissive, and then they were like, well, well how much was it? And I said, it was actually a million dollars. And right at it, you know, and they said, I don't worry about you. are kicking ass. We're good. And so it's all relative, right? So, <laughs> and I was thankful because our team was doing such a good job and delivering so much value for the client that they didn't care about that million dollars. But um, meaning that if we would have not missed, the, the, you know, they, the, the point was they were happy to pay it for the work that we were going to do that we should have charged them for anyway. Um, it was not like, you know, it was just out of vapor there, but um, but that was just a testament to the team and how good they were that uh, of the value that we're bringing. That the client was like, "That's fine," and so we went back, redid the estimate, charged them the extra money, you know, and uh, and went from there. So yeah, it was uh, that. But point point cases, you know, most people just yeah, their 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 thresholds are pretty high. I think um, you know, going in and and finding the overages or or where you can save is huge for small businesses because again, yeah. you know straight bottom line it can there's no cost of acquisition right you're just saving it um so that's definitely something that helps with time and money so definitely if it's you know something you haven't evaluated just because the small guys sometimes maybe don't care or they don't think that it adds up it's definitely a a place to to look for first so any any kind of inefficiencies or anything that you're overpaying or um sometimes it's just a matter of renegotiating contracts right? Like you can yeah. just find money just by picking up the phone and it doesn't matter if you're due for renewal or not. You know, some people are like, ah, I'm not due for renewal for two years. It doesn't matter. Call them, right. you know, and yeah. then call their competitors and renegotiate. 
So sometimes, and especially when there's, you know, times are tough or there's things going on in the economy, definitely call them at those times because people are firing them and they want to do anything to acquire, you know, to save you or, or keep you on board. So definitely just work on KPIs and, and use the charts. There's also um, in your Excel, I believe Excel does it and, and Google Sheets, they have little, um, they have like little mini charts that you can even put at the bottom of a column that will like just kind of populate so they can just track maybe time on a small scale and money on a small scale. And then you can have a bigger kind of uh, chart that shows it as well. But it's like, it's called Sparkline. It's just like a little little line that kind of just will constantly gauge as you put more data in. Um, but there's little tricks and stuff like that that you can use. And then depending on the, the type of data you have, you know, whether it's a line chart or a, like I said, a donut chart, you'll be able to show them and, and really get them to understand, like, look at that time block, look how much more time you have. And now it's in a big block and they can actually see it and not have to like decipher numbers and look at stuff like that. So, yeah. And and my thing too on that is I'm always about, like I, I see a lot of people, they build these enormous spreadsheets, all the state input. You spend more time putting in data than you do getting the result. Right. And so my intention with, with, with what I was thinking about was super effective inputs, minimal, just, just to highlight, here's the trend, because that's all we're looking for is just being able to trend out actually what you're doing so that you can track, here's my progress and, and how am I tracking, you know, over time. So, um, super helpful and, uh, and, and making sure, and I, I was not aware of that feature for the bottom of the column. So I'll look for that because that actually, yeah, look a lot up of times. Sparkline, I think it's called Sparkline okay. and you just put it in super Good. easy. It shouldn't, you know. It's nothing crazy. It's literally at the end of the column. Just knowing what data points to include, that's all That's all you really need to know. But And if you yeah. need help, just reach out. I mean, it's not a big to-do. Or send me an Excel file and say, hey, and then I'll spend a couple minutes maybe looking at it and, and just give you some pointers or, or just send it back to you. So, Very cool. Anything, Scott? Jeff, I, yeah, I'm, I'm always curious. So, you know, when we're talking about the, the value of data and the importance of data and, and and tracking numbers so we can find trends and all that you know we we often uh, are looking at the things that you're helping your clients with they're looking to boost revenue by l- lowering the amount of time that they spend on tasks or by recapturing um, revenue that's being um, spent frivolously or unnecessarily. But on a more meta level, what what is the higher purpose or the, the vision or mission that the people that you're working like, yes, we want to maximize revenue, we want to max- optimize our time and all that, but for what? Like what is the thing what is the thing that they actually yeah. are trying to accomplish by boosting their you know value per hour spent on on tasks yeah so um your great question by the way scott and so um and you have i have uh had some discussions you know prior where we've kind of talked around some similar things but to me um my intention with helping people do that is to actually get the minutia and the busy type work off their plate so that they're doing their most important work which is the problem that i was solving for myself and still and you know we're always in process, but still continue to solve. Which is, how do I ensure that I'm doing my highest and best work to actually um, be most helpful to humanity, as opposed to 
work that is just wasting my time, right? Because to me, uh, I feel like I have a much higher calling than just um, the sales work that I do or, um, you know, another real estate deal or even with my, um, you know, some of the other things I'm doing. To me, when I'm helping clients um, through my advisory business, it is taking people that are leaders that have influence, right? And um, whether that's just with the people that work in their sphere or, you know, if, if they have um, a lot of broader influence through business and making sure that they are maximizing their potential and is it actually impacting a much broader set of folks than just themselves, right? So that's the whole intention is because to me that raises the, you know, the, the whole tide, right? And, um, ultimately just better for humanity if everybody is doing those things uh, and not just wasting time. So that's the point. Yeah. I really like that. I, I was having a, I had a conversation with Seth Godin on my broadcast a while back when we were talking about this idea of, you know, purpose, purpose driven work. And um, Seth's comment was, you know, nobody gives a hoot about your mission or your vision statement. You know, does that really help you make, um, better decisions. Are you really making decisions? And so often those things are just something that we, um, that, that we post on, <laughs> post in, post somewhere in the office and, and point at every once in a while, but they're not actually, you know, our mission statement, our vision for what our business is for. It's not actually, um, being served through some of the, some of the things we do. And I think sometimes, the 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 big the, the the real value in what someone like you does is helping a business refer to the data, use the data, leverage the data to do the thing that they actually say that they're on the planet to do. And you know, I think most of us need a reminder daily that it's actually more it's not just about saving time, generating revenue. It's about, uh, you know, human beings are really interesting creatures because all living things work. All living things exchange energy for to make some sort of change happen. Plants do it with photosynthesis and sunlight and nutrients and all that. And they, they grow limbs and bear fruit. That's work. But human beings build identity and forge meaning in their lives through the work they do. And if the data can help you make a more meaningful difference, if it can help you um, find significance in what you're doing on a day-to-day basis, then that just seems like uh, a, 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 a value add with the kind of people that you're working with who are usually just thinking about, like, I just need numbers. If I understand the numbers, I can, I can do get the things that, get the results I want, but pointing to that yeah. bigger, what's it for? Yeah. And so interestingly enough, um, and this comes to mind as you're talking about this. So um, I've been in the data business for a really, really long time. And it started out, you know, as an IT consultant, I was a database guy. And I used to say that if you know your data, you actually know the company business, but this was when data sets were actually quite small. Right now they're massive. And so, um, you know, I remember when I used to run databases that were a couple of hundred uh, megabytes and a few million rows, you, you could actually 
as a human, look at that and make sense of the data a lot of times if you spend enough time in it. But as things have grown and now it's petabytes upon petabytes of data, um, I actually, in my regular sales job, I actually sell data storage and data management you know, solutions, right? And so I help companies in that arena across all kind of data sets and industries do that sort of thing. And it's, it's interesting to watch who actually really mines and uses the data to for those type outcomes as a company and who um, does not. And so, you know, uh, just with our time spent in the Garden Academy, I'm an astute observer of things and patterns and watching. And, and my joke with my, like, super close tech friends are like, I'm a trendsetter. My problem is I'm like 20 years early. And the... <laughs> And I joke about that because probably the first thing I realized that with was that we actually, me and a team I was on, we built a platform as a service and sold the hell out of it 20 years before that was even a term. And um, and it was when I look back on that, I was like, huh, I've done that before. And it makes me chuckle because now, you know, with a, a a credit card in two minutes, you can have that, you know, in any flavor you want it, right, at any capacity you want it. So, uh, so anyway, to, but to your point, to me, I just see so much collective time misused and, and ultimately wasted, right? And that, that's the one thing you can't renew is the uh, that 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 iteration. And that's – I can get way deep in the time thing and stuff like that. But to me, ultimately, by helping people orient toward um, delivering their highest and best for humanity um, – one, that, that helps in the immediate. But two, from a long-term perspective, I think that helps overall raise human awareness and human consciousness just for a better overall good for not just us today, but generations to come. And that's ultimately the purpose behind the work because to me, uh, I think that's that's where my my calling actually is to, to do that for people. And, um, and I've always kind of done that, um, but more and more doing that very intentionally and focusing and starting to ratchet down on that because I think that's where I'm that that's the work I think I'm supposed to be doing. Love it. I love it. I love it all. <laughs> any last, um, any last thoughts or words or can people connect with you? How do you want to? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, pretty easily found um you can there's not that many jeff mercs in the world so you can google jeff merck and i'm there but uh where i aggregate my stuff is actually at merckmethod.com and there's a methods page on there where i just kind of put all the things that i'm goofing around with and find interesting and most of the time when people look at that they're like does, what, does this guy actually sleep ever you know and yes i do but that's just a uh some of those things are I'm very active with, and some of them are incubator, you know, type projects and stuff. But they're of interest to me. But again, the whole intent behind all of that is what we were just talking about. So uh, that's in some uh, shape, form, or fashion, um, that's the basis for each one of those uh, projects. And ultimately, you know, whether they, you know, get legs and take off, or whether they already have, or whatever. Um, I've always been one to be fairly quiet about the stuff I do, um, but uh, it's at some point that doesn't work anymore, and it kind of starts seeping out. So uh, anyway, um, and quite honestly, some of these things need to be loose in the world anyway. So uh, just always working and building in the background. Love it, love it, love it. All right, well, thank you so much, Jeff. I appreciate you. Oh, Good likewise. And, always, um, always get value anything. from you guys. Yeah, reach out if you need any help uh, with that Excel stuff, and um, 
you know, we'll be in the Guardian chat, obviously. So, of course, of course, excellent. All right, everyone. That was uh, that was our first uh, that was our first hot seat, and uh, we've got Courtney coming up next week. And uh, if you would like to take advantage of the 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 data queen, Vivica, yeah. uh, then um, feel free to to raise your hand for for a, a hot seat, or if you want a hot seat around um, anything that's that, that has to do with uh, up leveling your business or your life, we'd we'd love to have that that be a part of what we're doing here on our Tuesdays at noon Eastern. And uh, yeah, Vivica, thanks so much for lending us some of your valuable yes. expertise. And, uh, for sure. and, thanks, yeah, thank you, and thanks Scott for hosting. Much appreciated.